it's the same as being a guide. Being a guide is not about imparting knowledge. It's about connecting with an audience or with a customer or with a person who doesn't really know what to expect. Hello and welcome to The Low Season, a podcast about tour guides, tourism, and the future of travel. My name is Wouter Bernhardt, I'm a tour guide in Berlin, and currently I'm gauging how my fellow tour guides are navigating the pandemic. My guest today is from Antwerp, or Antwerpen. Bart Verhoeven is relatively new to the profession, has been guiding for two years, but tours throughout Belgium, in Brussels, Bruges and Ghent as well. Being from the country of good beers, Bart has also recently been trying his hand on bartending, and we'll talk a little bit about what that's like. But first, we'll talk about online tour guiding, creating videos and audio for travelers that want to experience the city of Antwerp by themselves. Here is Bart Verhoeven. How, how, did you, how, how do you find it uh, so far? Because obviously uh, it's not just recording, you know, there is a whole lot to it, you know, a whole, whole bunch of things that you didn't take into consideration. What are you bumping into uh, so far? Well, since you're recording a podcast, I'm sure it's very similar issues. Uh, it's always a little stupid things. Um, quality of sound, obviously. Um, so what I decided to do is to just walk through the city, which I'm now allowed to do here in Antwerp, um, just by myself, just try and do my old route or versions thereof, and then record for myself on my phone a virtual tour, take that recording home, and then uh, re-record it, but obviously with isolated in an isolated environment, um, and then me tweak, tweak a few things. Um, so that's obviously an important thing is sound of quality, uh, quality of sound rather. The other thing is really just imagining what it's like for your tourist, your imaginary tourist at this point, what they're going to see. So if things have changed in town, I haven't guided, of course, physically since, you know, in a few months. So obviously you want to check, uh, what your route is like right now. You maybe also want to contextualize how COVID-19 has impacted life in Antwerp. People will be wondering about that uh, even a few months down the road. So the, the script has changed a bit. And also, finally, the important one, since life is still far from normal here, as it will, same thing uh, where you are, you want to um, give them very sound advice and practical information, especially if they're from outside the city. What is open? How they can, how can they get food? What is allowed? What is not allowed? Um, busy places to avoid, or things that you can visit, museums that have reopened. What the um, the conditions are for visiting them, that kind of stuff. Where Where do you imagine your guests are from, or are going to be from? Well, I have, um, um, you know, just a suspicion that for me, let's do Europe. I think European travel quite clearly will be if not um, actually restricted legally to Europeans, it will de facto be mostly Europeans. Um, it will be a lot of Belgians. So um, I would definitely uh, work initially, at least with both Dutch, my, my first language and English. Um, expand to French would be, I think, a very uh, uh, reasonable thing to do as well. My German is uh, not half as good as yours after you told me seven years of Berlin, so I will have to work on that, But or maybe um, ask someone to record that for me. Um, I don't uh, think 
that I will be expecting um, people from outside of Europe straight away. Then again, a major port city. We already have a very large expat community here um, in my own neighborhood, which is both a Jewish area and an Indian neighborhood. And these people, of course, have connections all over the world. People are still visiting on business, etc. But I think it's mostly Western Europeans that will be in their own backyard for the time being. Well, I I have been to Antwerp, but it's been a long time ago. Could you maybe, uh, yeah, could you maybe talk me through briefly, like what what are the sort of the main sites of Antwerp? Like what what are the big themes and historic topics you talk about? Um, which is rooted in history. So historically, Antwerp. I'm not going to say it was more important than it is today because today it, well, it has the second busiest port in all of Europe, just after uh, Rotterdam and closely tied with Hamburg. So it is a very important city business-wise today, but if you go back to the golden century and every guide and their grandmother will tell you that was mostly the 1500s. So in 16th century Antwerp, you have to envision the city with over 100,000 people in it, um, hustling and bustling, uh, also a center for artistic production. Um, our most famous artist is Peter Paul Rubens, who was born in Germany, but spent most of his life and career in our city, um, a master of Flemish Baroque, he is only one of many icons, basically from a time where Antwerp was in the right place. We were between the burgeoning Dutch Republic. Um, we were in that period controlled by uh, Spain, a colonial empire of unseen proportion. We had a very um, important trade connection with the German Hanseatic cities and, of course, the English on the other side of the channel, the French down south. So it was a city of trade and, uh, well, especially cultural production, art. But today it still has many of those monuments standing. Our cathedral, stupendous cathedral, which has the largest church spire in all of the low countries. Um, my personal favorite for those listening, planning a visit to Antwerp, and it's open again, is the Plantain Moretus Museum. And that is completely devoted to the printing press industry. So Gutenberg, of course, invented the printing press in the 1400s, at least in Europe. But Antwerp also became a printing capital. And the treasures they still have there, 16th century Bibles, works of science, um, is immense. Then there's the Rubens House. So that's the, the workshop and uh, the, the, the principal home of the painter I just mentioned before. Beautifully uh, preserved. Um, and then before I forget, our beautiful Central Station. Now that is early 20th century. Antwerp at the time is also an architectural capital, Art Nouveau or Jugendstil uh, in combination with neoclassicism. Uh, and our um, usually our Central Station is voted in the top five or ten of beautiful train stations, most beautiful around the world and rightfully so. And that's just a handful of things I can come up with. <laughs> Right now. Oh, it sounds it sounds like an amazing um, amazing place, and I do remember it being very very nice. Uh, what what is what is also interesting to me is that you don't just guide in in Antwerp; you do guide a tour through other cities like uh, Brugge and 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 Brussels and Ghent. Is that is that common that uh, guides in Belgium sort of? do these different sites? You have several kinds of guides and you have several kinds of tours and tour companies naturally. Same thing, of course, in Berlin. Um, you know, the, the major cities I find, Amsterdam, Berlin, 
uh, definitely Rome, Paris, London. What you really need is dedicated guides because the city is so vast that you can have an entire industry running around that city. You can offer bike tours, different routes, culinary tours. And I do those as well in Antwerp mostly because this is the city I know most intimately. But um, through the work of, for instance, a company uh, called Tour Management Belgium, I'm always very happy to work for them because what they do is they work every year under ordinary circumstances. They used to work mostly with these river cruises that then arrive in Antwerp on the Skelt River. Uh, but these people, mostly North American, often British, uh, German as well, they travel throughout continental Europe by boat. They get off the boat and they get a choice. So they can spend an afternoon chocolate tasting somewhere in Ghent, a historical walk in Bruges, uh, Brussels, our capital, and then Antwerp itself. So what these companies like to do is they like to recruit guides, especially who are eager to get to know these other cities so that you can expand your your expertise. And the, the, the advantage is these cities are so close together because Belgium is the size of a handkerchief that it's not... Um, you know, it's not an absurd notion to have guides who really specialize more in themes because I'm a major history geek. So the same things that excite me about Antwerp, well, I can take those to Bruges. Bruges was one of the medieval capitals of northern trade. You know, it was the Dubai of the 1200s, for instance. So, of course, uh, if I get the chance to take uh, a grateful audience through that city, then I will study and I will do that. Um, and there are several guides who do that, of course. You have also official city guides who really uh, focus on their respective cities a lot more. Um, but that really is uh, the guide's preference and the opportunities that you come across and that you take. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, the more you know, the better. Uh, you also um, wrote to me that you're a bartender. Um, is that something that you do because it's nice in the winter season, in the low season? Is it something you really enjoy doing? Um, you know, is it is it more out of necessity or is it something that you just, you like the combination of both? All of the above. Um, now I have to specify that uh, for me, the bartending was relatively new when the coronavirus hit the world. Um, through my guiding, actually, uh, I came across a fantastic cafe um, in the city center of Antwerp called Bar Deco. I uh, got to know some of the people behind the bar because, you know, after a two-hour tour, you want to get a drink and you get to know people in the city a lot better because you're there every day. And since you're recommending to your tourists several, uh, well, they, they want to know where the best bars are. They want to know where the, the best chocolate is, that kind of stuff. You get to know the people that run these businesses. I came across them. And the thing is, the idea of um, working in the bar, of course, I was uh, not just romantic about it. I know it's uh, pretty hard work, um, but it always appealed to me because of the same social dimension that guiding offers. And that's what I miss the most now, obviously, is just interpersonal contact. And I did find it tremendously fun. I mostly did one shift a week. So it's bartender, not with a capital B. But it did give a lot more flavor to my week, um, to my weekly structure. Uh, sometimes you'd run into the same tourists that you guided around the city. Um, and that is very gratifying work. It de really depends on what kind of establishment you work in. Ours was, still is, uh, relatively quiet. Uh, you know, we play 
usually a little bit of jazz or blues in the background and it's a really nice old building so the vibe people are usually sitting at the tables rather than just uh crowding up in front of the bar and that is what i really really loved about it is the atmosphere and uh, like i just said it's the same as being a guide being a guide is not about imparting knowledge it's about connecting with an audience or with a customer or with a person who doesn't really know what to expect. And um, the good thing is if you're a bartender in Belgium, well, we're the country of beer, aren't we? So you uh, sometimes you can spend about 20 minutes talking to, for instance, a foreign customer who comes up with a question, hey, do you have any beers you recommend? Well, yeah, that can set a Belgian bartender off on a conversation of about 20 minutes. So it ticks all those boxes for me. And lastly, as you said, yeah, winter season, of course, is always a bit harder for a guide. So it was a good combination for me to move to an indoors job, at least, uh, <laughs> at least partially. Yes. So uh, let me let me ask you, or maybe uh, let me ask you a couple of, of I think difficult questions. Um, we we don't have any tours at the moment, right? So there there's no work. Um, still, life continues. Um, people still eat and teach and and work. But tourism is, is dead at the moment. Is it one of the questions that's on my mind is, is it important what we do as guides? Mm. Um, of course it is. If you look at how we have come to, um, I think, consider value of work in this modern society, it, the discussion often becomes very harshly economic. And uh, you could be, I think, you could look at several industries around us very harshly and say, well, of course, as we are now still in the midst of a health crisis, um, yeah, certain sectors, I think also, I also think deserve um, a different kind of um, priority. Um, I think right now, the appreciation which is shown for health workers is long overdue because these are the kind of people that you take for granted because you only see them when you need them and then you're worried about your own health or that of somebody you love if you're a guide it's a very grateful job because people are happy when they see you if you do your your job reasonably well then they're happy you know uh as they leave you but obviously right now it's a job that's a lot less it doesn't have the same urgency in the same breath, I would like to say that then what are we living for? Life is about much more than staying alive. Uh, if the corona crisis and the lockdown, depending on which country you're in, has shown me anything, is that what makes us miserable is staying indoors, not having a connection. We are social animals. And even in the realm of social distancing, people are doing their best to find a balance between staying safe and fighting boredom and being lonely. And as a guide, I'm not saving lives. I am not. I'll be the last to say that I am in a life-saving profession. I am not. However, the thing is that I know the kind of stress that people in whatever job they're in can be under. If you can leave that behind for a moment and you can go somewhere new, you can learn about something that can trigger your imagination. You have somebody who is warm, who is energetic, who is charismatic, who makes you feel welcome. 
you're going to you're going to remember those people because they're going to uh, enhance your experience in that moment. Um, the people that I remember as guides, uh, me being a tourist and them guiding me, I'll remember them forever because they did more than tell me about their city. Uh, they connected with me in a way that I think very few people can. And that, to me, those few moments on holiday, be it in Barcelona or in Berlin or Amsterdam with a great guide, that has really stayed with me and has given a lot more color to my memories of those times. So in a nutshell, right now, we are not an urgent industry. We really should rethink our strategy and see how we can do business in the future and in the present. But of course, if you have no kind of um, cultural surplus in the world around you, then what are we doing this for? So I would really, really, for me, like to hope that uh, as soon as things calm down and stabilize, that people will have the same appetites as they used to. And uh, yeah, I hope that in my non-life-saving job, I can still uh, provide a little bit of joy and laughter and distraction and maybe cultural enrichment from the very modest capacity that I'm doing it from. Well, Bart, um, that was that was great. Thank you so much for, for chatting to me. Thank you very much. I look forward to um, uh, getting to know your podcast better. Uh, thank you for doing this, by the way, for literally giving people who are now stuck in their living rooms a voice. And uh, yeah, I look forward to... Uh, uh, to hearing more from your podcast. I wish you well as well in Berlin or wherever you're going. And uh, thank you for, uh, for this conversation. That was Bart Verhoeven from Antwerpen. And I really like his take on the guiding profession. Obviously, there is less urgency to our profession now. But at some point, tourism will come back. And I think it's important to think about why we've got into this business in the first place. Was it because we needed some extra cash or did we truly believe in changing people's views of the world? Do we like connecting to strangers or do we enjoy the passing on of knowledge gathered over years of research? And apart from the personal aspect, there is the societal aspect of guiding and tourism to take into account. What is it that we, guides and tourism workers, bring to the table? How do we make the world a better place? The low season is the moment to be reflective. If you want to learn more about Bart and what he's currently up to, I've put a bunch of links to his projects in the show notes. That's it for now. We're back on Friday with Kasia Klon in Paris. I personally was not interested in visiting the Eiffel Tower when I came here. You know, I didn't want to be in a trap. I didn't want to fall in a, in a tourist trap. I didn't want to do something that everybody else does, you know. The Low Season is produced by me, Wouter Bernhardt. Music is by Mark Schilders. Artwork is by Cece Wynt. Georgia Ryungu, you've heard about this lady a lot at the end of every podcast, and I wanted to draw your attention to something very special she's currently cooking up. She and her good friend Amy Mason have recently kicked off a new project called Women of Berlin, in which they delve into the amazing herstory of kick-ass Berlin women. They're starting off as a blog, but will soon be offering tours in Berlin as well. Women of Berlin is online, you should check it out, I've put all the links in your feeds. Very proud of this lady. All right, that's it. Speak soon, my friends.